I do want to go ahead and dive into that book of John, chapter number one, verses number 35. It's going to be a foundational text. We're going to deviate and look at another scripture after this, but we're going to come back to John 1 and close out our message because there's something that God wants to say to us. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of John, chapter number one, starting at verses 35. The Bible declares the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. Understand, John is a forerunner of Jesus. He's actually his cousin, but he is the one who was to point to the Messiah, to the Christ. 36 declares, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. After, after this declaration pointing to the Christ, when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Now, this is powerful because as men and women of God, ultimately, that's what we want, people to follow him and not us. Can I get a better amen than that? We should always be pointing, redirecting people to Jesus. Yes, they're going to see our good works, but ultimately glorify our Father in heaven. 38, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Somebody shout all day. These boys spent all day with Jesus. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity to minister the word of God to your people on today. God, there's somebody that came here needing to hear something specific from you, God. And Lord, I know what you've given me. I know what I've prepared, but I don't want to miss the moment to make impartation into the life of that man, that woman that needs to hear something specific. So God, allow my spirit to be sensitive what it is to what needs to be said in this moment, in this hour. I thank you in advance for the fruit, not 30, not 60, hundredfold return in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. Amen. I want to start here in the book of Acts, chapter number two, verses number one. Something that I want to extrapolate out of this particular text that I believe is very powerful. The Bible declares, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that were separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled. Everybody shout, they were filled. How many know God is still in the filling business? It's, it's God's desire that, watch this, not only are you saved, but he wants you to walk in his fullness. Can somebody say amen to that? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It doesn't mean that you have all of God, but it means that you, watch this, watch this, you give God all of you. I'm going to say that again. Being filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you got all of God. It does mean that you give all of yourself to him. And in the hour that we're living in right now, oh, my God, go ahead and go there. It's time out for reserve Christian. It's time out for National Guard Christians. If you're going to be a Christian, come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to be active duty. We got to do this full time, 24-7. Are y'all with me? And the only way that we can do that is we, we've got to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Bible declares, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, this is interesting because Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, giving us the understanding that there is both an earthly and in heavenly language. When an individual speaks in tongues, there are times when they're speaking in a heavenly or an angelic language, and then there are times when the Holy Spirit will ignite them to speak in another language that's unintelligible to them. 
speaking Japanese without having learned Japanese, speaking Chinese without knowing. The Holy Spirit empowers these boys to do just that. They spoke in other tongues. Five declares, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, these boys are tripping because they know that y'all ain't speaking a language that y'all know. Y'all Galileans. In essence, they're saying, ain't y'all from Nagaport, man? How you speaking Chinese and Japanese, man, and you grew up on Polk Street, my man? He said, these boys are Galilean. They were, they were amazed. Verse number 12 declares, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what? Do, somebody shout, what does this mean? Now, this is a powerful statement because the world is asking right now, what does this mean? We're in a pandemic. What does this mean? We're in the middle of a war. What does this mean? Craziness is happening around us. What does this mean? And how many know that God needs somebody to stand up, be bold, and to speak what thus says the Lord? Can somebody say amen to that? Some, however, made fun of them and said they had too much wine. This is why we need to speak. Because when God is moving, if you don't say anything, then the devil will give the world their own interpretation. And the world needs to know what God is doing, even in the midst of a pandemic. Can somebody say amen to that? So there's a man of God that stands up by the name of Peter. Verse number 14 declares, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. So, so watch this. My man, my man goes on from verses 18 all the way to verse number 39. This is a very, very long um, um, uh, ministry, a, a very long testimony. One of the longest ones in the Bible. You got Stephen, which was several chapters. My man testimony is so long, Luke writes in verse number 40, with many other words, he warned them. I think Luke got like, man, I'm tired of just saying all this. Let me just say whatever. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Somebody shout, that's powerful. So this is what I love about this particular testimony. You see Peter. A man of God that's filled with the Holy Spirit. Good, Tim. Thank you. You see a man that's filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly proclaiming the word of God. This is not that. These boys aren't drunk with wine like you think. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied. Now, he's in a critical hour because people need to hear about what God is doing. Watch somebody shout, in my life. See, I've been kind of fooling y'all a little bit. <laughs> I had to trick y'all a little bit because what I've really been talking about is what's called personal evangelism. But I can't really say evangelism because if I say evangelism, y'all freeze. Y'all be like, I don't feel like knocking on nobody, though. <laughs> I ain't finna do all that. I ain't finna be standing up and on my job talking about something. Yeah, I ain't doing all that. I disguise the word evangelism with the word testimony. Because the truth is, people don't just need to know about what Jesus did. They need to know about what Jesus did in you. Are y'all with me in this place? Understand, I am about corporate evangelism, and that's good. I love it when the church come together and we'll do our tent revivals or we'll do our prayer walks or we'll walk, go, go in the community and do certain things to, to spread the good news. But at the end of the day, the Bible is really full of not corporate evangelism, but it's full of, watch this, personal testimonies. One brother saying what God has done in them to somebody else, and they're convinced. Are y'all with me in this place? They're convinced because what he did, watch this, not what you said he did over there, but what he did on the inside of you. So the apostle Peter 
is given a personal testimony of what God has done on the inside of him. Here's the truth, though. Peter didn't start out that way. And there's some of y'all in here, this is why you really need to testify, because you look too good from where you came from. You look too good from where you came from. Stand up, uh, Sister Fine. Don't my big sister look good? Turn around, turn around. Tell me, what's her name? Shakara. <laughs> I'm just going to call her Kara. <laughs> Don't my sister look good? Watch this. Straight out of Naga Point. <laughs> Won't he do it? <laughs> no, real talk. Some of y'all know what it's like. Thank you. Thank you, big sis. Some of y'all are in a much better place than you were 10 years ago. Five years ago, some of y'all 10 months ago, God has done something phenomenal in your life, and people are looking at you amazed, watch this, wishing that they were you, but they don't know the story behind you. And if you would pause for a moment to say, this is where I am, but let me tell you what God did. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you where I was. They'd be absolutely amazed, and their faith would go to a whole nother level. So this is what I want to do just for a moment. I just showed you a man of God. I'm talking about at the pinnacle of his ministry. He's going to witness to these people, and, and literally 3,000 people are going to give their lives to the Lord that day. Not in a year's time. That day, 3,000 people... But, but there was a day when, when, he wasn't, when he wasn't prophet Peter. He was cussing Peter. It was a day he was um, attempted murderer Peter. Y'all come on, somebody. Y'all remember when he went to cut the man's ear off? I believe he was aiming for his neck and my man ducked. And that went his ear. I want to show you a situation of Peter not as confident, not as bold, not as assertive. Watch this. The Bible declares in the book of Mark, chapter number 14, verse number 30, Jesus is speaking and he says, Truly I tell you, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter speaks up in verse number 31. The Bible declares he insisted emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never, die. somebody shout never. never. Peter, so now Peter talking to Jesus. Now Jesus told him, you're going to deny me three times. Peter looks back at, Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. Peter looks back at him and said, I hear what you're saying, G. I ain't doing it. The rest of these boys might turn their back on you. I'll never disown you. How many know it's easy to talk bad when there's no pressure around? It's easy to say what you ain't going to never do until you get in that situation. Are y'all with me in this place? <laughs> Embarrass my baby again. I told him the first service, I told Teresa to go out there and tell Charity to come in. Charity had did something. I don't know what she did. I said, hey, go, get, go tell Teresa. Go tell Charity to come in. So I walk outside. I'm on the porch. Charity coming from the mailbox. Teresa said, Charity, Daddy said, come here. Charity said, what that fool want? Now, she didn't know I was on the porch. Look, Brother Turner, I ain't have to do nothing. As soon as she saw me, she trembled with fear. Yeah. She, she was, her, her teeth started shaking. <laughs> she was talking bad until she saw me. That's what Peter doing. He talking bad until he see trouble. So the scripture declares, verse number 66, while Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said. 68 declares, Peter denied, I don't know. Neither do I understand what you're talking about. And he went out into the entryway. Watch this, watch this. 69, when the servant girl saw him there, she said, she, it's funny. Anybody ever watch the Credit Pastor videos? 
She, this girl acting like the woman that followed the credit pastor. Who raised you? That's what Peter should have said. <laughs> she don't follow my man to my head. Hey, 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 look, and look what she's going to say. The first time she goes to him and she says, aren't you one of the ones? This time she said again to those standing around. She's like, hey, hey, y'all, hey, y'all, hey, listen, listen. Ain't this one of the ones <laughs> that was with Jesus? 17, again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing there said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. 71, watch this. He began to call down curses. And he swore, my man started just, you, you blankety blanks. What did I tell you? I don't know this man. 72, immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times, and he broke down and wept. Now, something I'm tripping about something because I saw something in the text that I want to highlight. So Acts chapter number two, we see Jesus at like, excuse me, we see Peter at like the prime. My man standing up, just came out the upper room filled with the Holy Spirit. If, if 3,000 people got saved, it could have been 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people there. But he's standing up big and bold, and he's declaring that this is not that. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied in the last day, said God, so forth, so on. So we see the boldness of Acts 2. Mark 14, we see Peter with Jesus, but struggling. He makes a profession, but he ain't there yet. Now, now, don't raise your hand, but it's a lot of us in Mark 14 and not Acts 2. <laughs> we are the place, I, I ain't at the place where I can be like, hey, this is not that. I'm at a place where I'm, I still cuss a little bit. You just look straight ahead and don't laugh and we don't know you. I will still fight. I'm saved, but I carry an ice pick in my purse just in case a joker would. <laughs> yeah, I got to look. Anybody be real, I'm saved, but I still got a little thug in me. Got a little thug. Oh, Lord. Thank you. I need to know who you are. Because <laughs> I want to stay completely away from you. <laughs> Hey, Pastor McGee, hey, how you doing? God bless you. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. That's why I need y'all to cover us in prayer all the time. Jesus. I ain't going to talk about you today. It's Easter, all right? <laughs> Acts 2, we see a powerful Peter. Mark 14, we see a man who, watch this, has a relationship with the Lord, but he's struggling. Can you imagine a Peter pre-Jesus? I need y'all to think about that just for a second. Never met Jesus in his life. Now, if he cutting off ears with Jesus... <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? If he cussing out folk after being with Jesus three and a half years, are you with me? You don't even want to deal with this dude pre-Jesus. Hey, my man, me and Peter finna go to the club. You want to roll? Who, Peter? No, dog. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere with Peter. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Um, this is why I'm ministering this message, because y'all have Peters in your life, and God sees them from an Acts 2 perspective, but you see them from a pre-Mark 14 perspective. You can't even see, this is what the prophet Joel prophesied, you can't even see saved or struggling. You looking at him like, player, you going to hell. I'm just sorry. You just, I don't know. And God is saying, despite what you see them do, I know their hearts. 
And if you will open up your mouth and talk about me despite what you feel about them, because you got to be careful who you write off. There are some of y'all in here, y'all already wrote certain folk off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love this crowd. This is a great crowd. Great crowd. Great crowd. I'm so grateful. Great, yeah, yeah. We got some black folk in here and light-skinned folk. <laughs> We got some Japanese, some Chinese, some Blasians. Asia, she call herself a Blasian. I'm not Blasian. I'm black and Asian. Blasians. Got some Caucasians. We got some, what y'all? Filipinos? Black Opinos. <laughs> we, got, we got all kind of folk in here. We got all kind of different backgrounds in here. And watch this. If you're not careful, you will think that Jesus only cares about you and your culture. So he can save me from Nagaport, but he can't save you from Bellevue. I want to pause there for a second. I got discouraged. I got real discouraged. A brother challenged me on this. Brother challenged me on this. And he was like, I was, man, I was testifying. I said, man, we, man, we went to Red Ball, man. We threw up that tent, man. And we was preaching the gospel, man. <laughs> Stretching out, man, doing what you And he said, man, that's good, man. Y'all went to Red Ball? Yeah. He said, why y'all didn't go to Bellevue? Like, shut up. We went to Red Ball. So you mean to tell me only those people need Jesus? And I'm telling you, you can polarize your ministry and, and, and put on spiritual blinders when God says, despite their background, despite what they're done, despite where they are, right? I mean, pause for a second. If you think about your own testimony, some of y'all know you have no business even being in the house of God, right? Some of y'all know you need to be one or two places, jail or hell, right now. But if God gave grace to you... That means he's willing to give grace to somebody who you don't, who you don't think even deserve his grace. So you, you got this, watch this, you, you got this Acts, mm, thank you Jesus. You got this Acts 2 Peter, which is a powerful man of God. You got this Mark 14 uh, Peter who is growing in his relationship. Still got some issues. What we don't see, but somebody does see. There's this one particular brother that sees a pre-Jesus Peter. And I want to highlight Peter's brother's attitude, Andrew, concerning his brother, because nobody knows me like my big sis. She, she knows me. She's been with me literally all my life. Stuff she, stuff she tells me I did. Some of that stuff I think you'd be lying about. You'd be lying Stuff she tells me I did when I was three years old. And I just shake my head because I can't remember. So if there's anybody who really knows Peter, it's his brother Andrew. Now, I want to show you the testimony of Andrew. Can I take my time, y'all? Uh, you shouldn't have told them about the fish. They're going to be like, get to the shouting part so we can go. John chapter number 1, verse number 35. Now, I need you to see this within context. Pop, I think it would be fair to say that Andrew is possibly a more committed follower of God than his brother Peter. I think it would be fair to say that because the two disciples of John, one of them is Andrew. And at that particular time, there's only one prophet, Old Testament prophet left, and it's John. So if you're following anybody else, you ain't following God. If you're a Pharisee, if you're a Sadducee, you ain't following God. God only has one Old Testament prophet at this particular time that's on the scene, and it is John the Baptist. And Andrew is one of those individuals that's following him. And the Bible declares the next day John was there again with two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them followed, following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? This is so powerful. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent, somebody shout, that day. 
They spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Just think about it just for a second, hanging out with Jesus a whole day. Now, this, this, this is interesting because I've been with John the Baptist, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe a couple of years. I've been hearing this message. I am not the one. There's one that's coming that's greater than me, that if his shoes was untied, I'm not worthy to tie his shoes. If they were tied, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. I've been hearing this message from my man, John, and now the one you've been talking about that's greater than you, you finally point to him and say, this is the man that I've been talking about. So it makes sense that I leave you, John, and I cleave to Jesus. And the Bible declares that Andrew and this other disciple literally spent all day Hanging with Jesus. What'd they talk about? I don't know. Maybe he expounded on the Old Testament. Maybe, maybe Andrew confessed some sins. Maybe he got revelation about the kingdom of God. I don't know what they said, but I do know it's powerful the fact that they actually spent time together. Because how many know when you spend time in the presence of God, things change on the inside of you? When you spend time with God, yeah, things Things change. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these five things down. Write these five things down. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Write fellowship. Prayer. Fasting. Worship. Study. Here we go again. Out of order, but I'm going to say it. Fellowship, fasting, study, prayer, worship. Fellowship, fasting, studying, praying, worshiping. Now, I want to give you these practical things because what Andrew did is what we can still do in spirit form. Jesus is not here physically. But something happens when you're in the presence of the Lord. And I don't know about you, I just don't want to serve just a, a man upstairs. <laughs> he only saying nothing in this place. I don't want to bow down to a statue that can't hear me and that can't, don't have hands to help me. If I'm going to have a relationship with the Lord, there has to be some level of intimacy where I can get into his presence. Where, where, watch this. The omnipresence of God becomes the manifest presence of God. And I need you to understand that there's a difference. Omnipresent God is everywhere at the same time. Literally, right now. He's everywhere. He's that big that he covers every ounce, watch this, of reality. But then that's what's known as the manifest presence of God, where not only is he there, but he makes himself tangible where you can touch him, where you can feel him, where you can experience him. Does anybody want that type of relationship with God? I don't want it to just be said, I came to church or I just read my Bible, but I want it to be said that I had an encounter with God. So these five elements that I'm giving you are, are the basis of how we experience the Lord. Let's go one by one. When it comes to fellowship, the Bible declares where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. How many know that God is in this place right now? He's here right now where two or three are gathered together in the midst. And it's so powerful. Not only is it just us coming together, but when we begin to open up our mouth and when we begin to share our thoughts. That's why I, I, I so love this Wednesday with my brothers. Brothers, did we have a good time or what, y'all? Yeah, now them sisters talking about they had a good time Thursday, but I already know. Did she say, yee, 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 yee? <laughs> I think we need some more deliverance. Give me some more. <laughs> Listen, this is what happened. My, my wife told me what, what was happening, and I shared some thoughts of what, what was happening. I couldn't tell you all our business. But the, at the essence, she said that there were confessions not only testimonies, but even in the testimonies, there were confessions of where I was and even what I'm struggling with right now. And this is what John, uh, James 5.16 declares. If you confess your faults one to another and pray with one another, then I will heal you. What is healing? Healing is when God manifests his presence in your life. And so there was a manifestation because of somebody shout fellowship. Now, I want to challenge you with this thought because not only is the world saying this, there are some who are in Christ that are deceived, that are saying that this ain't necessary. 
They say, oh, you can pray at home and you can study at home and you can, and that, and you can do that at home, but the, the scripture declares that we should forsake not the assembling of ourselves. Why? Because this is one of the ways God chooses to manifest his presence when believers come together. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, this is necessary. Fellowship is necessary. Not only fellowship, fasting, everybody shout fasting. Now, I'll be honest, when it comes to fasting, that's one of the things I don't necessarily like to do. But the, anybody else with me? Does anybody in here love food? Does anybody in here have a relationship with food? How many of y'all talk to y'all food? Okay, I'm, yeah, raise your hand. Y'all get my oil. I need to, we got to go to work, brother. We got to go to work. <laughs> Some of y'all need to break up with food. <laughs> Watch this. So, so... Fasting is when I voluntarily push back for a particular time taking in nutrients of food into my body. And when you make a choice to do that, it's not when you do it for, if you don't do it for spiritual reasons, you're just dieting. So you might experience some physical results because you're doing it for physical reason, reasons. But watch this, when you couple your fasting with prayer and you're doing it for spiritual pur purposes, what happened is there is a sensitivity that happens in your spirit and it draws you closer to God. Some of you all would benefit in your personal lives with God right now if you would just spend a little bit more time fasting, pushing back the plate, saying, no, God, I'm consecrating myself for this day or for this number of hours because I want a closer walk with you. I I I've gone on a, a 21. I've been... This is day number 14 for me, and I've been on a 21-day consecration where certain times of day and certain things I'm just not putting in my body, not because I'm trying to lose weight and nothing like that. No, I want to be closer to God, and it's absolutely amazing what God has revealed to me in two weeks. Yes, has very little to do with the ministry, but in my personal time with him... Things that I've been asking him for that I couldn't get an answer from, I chose to go on a fast, and there have been four significant things that he dropped in my spirit that I'm like, wow, I never would have known that any other way. So spending time with God in fasting, fellowship, number three, through prayer. Prayer is communication with God, but when we pray, I think oftentimes we miss it because our motives are wrong. Um, oftentimes we go into prayer for God to change things when he really want to change you. And instead of really talking to God, we really wind up just kind of complaining to God about stuff. Lord, my boss show getting on my nerve. Lord, these kids you gave me. Lord, this woman, this wife. Lord, I married Eve, Jesus. <laughs> no, you don't go to God complaining. No, you go to God Watch this. This is a business meeting that I'm having with the Lord. I'm unpacking what's going on on the inside of me. And I'm, watch this, patiently. That, that song, that last song, Wait on the Lord, don't sing that no more before I preach, okay? Don't do it. Just told me up. I'm back there snotting. I'm like, thank you that the dancers came to dance. I had to get it together. Because watch this, when I'm in prayer, I'm also waiting on the Lord. It's not just you talking to God, but it's God also talking to you. Some of y'all, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you might be getting up too early. No, real talk, real talk. You sit down like, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate you, God. Like, do this, and Lord, do that, and, and the other. And then you just get up and go on about your business. And God be like, well, son, are you gone? <laughs> well, I guess I'll tell you, I'll talk to you later then, after you come back and talk to me. So what have I, I've incorporated in my prayer time is that once I unload, once I talk to God about what I've gone through and what I need him to do, I sit quietly for a moment to give him an opportunity to say something to me if he wants to. Watch this. This is what I know about God. He's not obligated to speak, but he likes to when you give him time. That's so good. I'm going to say it again. He's not obligated to speak, mother, but he likes to whenever you give him time. So I have to fellowship. I have to fast. I have to pray. What's number four? I have to study the word of God. So I'm just a reader. That's what I am. I'm, I, I enjoy reading. My Bible, yes, but all types of books. I'm a, I'm a business major, 
master's in business. I also have a master's in uh, psychology and counseling. So those are the types of books I like to read. I got a, a, so many different books on counseling and psychology, so many books on business, so forth and so on. Here's the difference. I like them because they instruct me how to do things that I should do, how to talk to people, how to communicate to people, how to, ne how to negotiate deals, so forth, how to, how to sell products, how to advertise, market a product. That's great stuff. But at the end of the day, the difference between those books and this one, just like this one, they tell me what to do, but this book here empowers me to do it. I said, so this book is alive. It's God-breathed. It's not just letters on the, it's not just a dead letter. No, 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 no. This is, it's, it's living, it is breathing. It's so powerful. David put it like this. He said, thy word, watch this, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So if I literally take the word of God and I put it on the inside of me, it produces power. That's why one of the things I appreciate about my dad the, that he's modeled over the years is biblical meditation. Now, he does it through scriptural memorization a lot of times and through saturation, constantly hearing the word. But I picked up on it as a little boy that when you meditate on the word of God, and meditation is a lost art in Christendom. There are other Eastern religions that do it, but the true power when a believer does it, because we ain't just, watch this, meditating on, uh, 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 on just words. We're meditating on the word. Are y'all with me in this place? Let me tell you the difference. The Bible declares that this word, when it goes out, it doesn't return back to God void. So if you align your life with this word, no matter what you do, come on somebody, you will not return empty-handed. That's why Psalm says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate. What does meditate mean? It means to mentally rehearse. Does he meditate day and night? His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does, it shall prosper. How can the scripture guarantee that if I meditate on this, that no matter what I do, it'll prosper? I'll tell you why. Because if this will never fail, and if this is in me, I will never fail. Number five, everybody shout worship. 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 Now, of the five, and what I'm giving you are basic Christian disciplines for anybody pursuing the presence of God. Because how many know you need to be in God's face? Not just seeking his hand, but seeking his face. What do you mean? Seeking his hand is just asking him for a bunch of stuff. Are y'all with me in this place? My son, Nate, going to get all my money. Yes. My son, Nate, come up to me and be like, Dad, I love you. Um, if you could give me $20 for some V-Bucks. But if you don't, Dad, I love you anyway. All right, go on and get them V-Bucks, boy. Go on and get that 20 from your mama. <laughs> Hmm. Praise is when you thank God for what he does. And no matter who you are or where you are, God has been good to you in some form or fashion. That's why the Bible declares, let everything that hath breath do what, y'all? Praise the Lord. Because whether you love him or not, whether you saved or not, it doesn't matter. God has been good to you. The very breath that you, the, the next breath that you inhale came from the Lord. So without his breath, you wouldn't even be in existence today. So that's why the Bible declares everything that has breath, do what, y'all? Praise the Lord. So you praise God based on what he has done. But when you worship him, you worship him based on who he is. That's the dividing line. Everybody can praise, but everybody can't worship. Worship because it's intimate, because it's personal. And even for us who we love God, we're in love with God, there are times when worship is very difficult for us, and I'm going to tell you why. Because worship demands 
what we've been taught against. Okay? What have I been taught practically? Been taught. Need to be a man, boy. That's what my dad used to tell me. Need to be a man. Don't ask nobody for nothing. You get it yourself. You get up and get it. Don't be just sitting there waiting on no handout. You better get up and get it. Talk. Tell my daughters, you change your own tie. Unless you're trying to get you a husband. <laughs> hey, you should know how to change your tie today. Handle your business. Go make that money. Do what you got to do. But we've been taught independence. Worship demands an attitude of dependence. So from my corner mindset, I'm somebody because of my decree, degrees, my education, my experience, where I've come from, my family name, this, that, and the other. I'm somebody because of that. But when you come into the presence of God, you say, God, I'm still nothing and nobody. Degrees, the apostle Paul and all the accolades he says, he says, I count all of this as dung. When I compare it to you. And for many of us, our pride won't let us worship. And God says, that, oh, thank you, G. There is, a, there is a place in God that's only reserved for those who know that God is all they got. God, help me with that. I need to unpack that for a second. You ever heard somebody say in a, in a tight situation, and they said something like, well, baby, all we can do now is pray. You ever heard somebody say that? Okay, here's the question. When was it that all you can do was pray? Think, think about that for a second. When did, when did you finally come to the point that all I could do is pray? You know what that tells me? You were dependent on what the doctors could do. <laughs> you were dependent on your cousin them to loan you money. <laughs> you were dependent on somebody to bail you out before. And then when, that, when they didn't come through, the doctors didn't come through, my cousin Pookie didn't come through. Now I come to the place, all I can do now is pray. You know what worship says? It says bump the doctors, bump pookie them, and bump all them folk who, who might come through for them. Just in case they don't come through, I'm going to go ahead and go to God now and say, God, you all I got. If, ooh, if you don't come through and pookie do, I still ain't got nothing. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. If you don't come through and somebody give me money, I still won't have enough to do what you called me to do. So prayer is not my, watch this, worship and prayer is not my last resort. It's my only. So it's, it's hard to worship because worship is an attitudinal thing where you approach God and you really say, God, this is all I. Watch this. When you pray, it takes you into the presence of God. When you worship, it takes you into the presence of God. When you fellowship, it brings you into the presence of God. When you fast, presence. When you study the word of God and you allow the word of God to come alive to you, it brings you into the presence of God. It brings you into the place where Andrew was. Now, I want to go back to my text and I'm almost done. Andrew, a follower of a true prophet, John the Baptist. John points to Jesus and said, this is the Lamb of God. Andrew starts to follow Jesus. And the Bible declares that he spent the day with him. Now, I want to show you this real quickly. I'll put on the screen verses, verse 39. Let's start there. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Look at 41. The first thing Andrew did 
was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. I, I just want you to see. I'm done, but I need you to see this. So, this is good. Real soft, Tim. For, for two, three weeks now, I've been challenging you all that you actually got a story to tell. H have y'all received that? Have you received that? Like, like, like God has done something in you, and, and you, you need to share what he's done, right? I'm not the same guy I used to be. Shoot, not even five months ago, God has done something in me. It's good. So, some of you all are motivated to go and to, to, to speak, to say, to encourage. Some of you guys stepped out to, this week to invite people to church, and I'm so proud of you. I'm so, I'm so proud of you. Here's my encouragement to you. I actually want you to do it more often. Yeah. And let's be transparent. Easter is a great reason to bring people to church. Because even if a guy doesn't go to church every week, Easter he'll probably go. So, But guess what? <laughs> Let me go ahead and say it. If you would have asked them last week, they might have would have came last week. And the one you didn't get to invite to the Easter service this week might come if you, are y'all with me? So some of you all are motivated to share. But what I want to instill in you today is the true passion and the power behind your sharing. And the true passion and power is your time with God. Andrew had nothing to say to his brother Peter until after he spent time with God. Now, he needed to say something to Peter. Matter of fact, Andrew in all actuality is an unsung hero because the scriptures are full of what Peter did. The gospels are full of stories with Peter. His name is everywhere. Jesus says to him, thou art the rock. Uh, he, he says, blessed are thou Simon Barjona, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you. We have books of the Bible in the New Testament that was penned by the, by the man of God, Apostle Peter. But watch this, Peter would have never came to Jesus if his brother Andrew hadn't have said something to him. And the only way Andrew had to say something to him is that he had been in the presence of God. So you got the conviction to say something. But you need to make sure that your passion is drowned with presence. Presence. God wants you to feel his presence even today. Today. So we don't have time to fast, little sis, because we finna eat some fish. So we ain't going to fast. Um, we are going to fellowship afterwards, and we're going to get a chance to talk and all that kind of stuff. But true fellowship really happens. If, if my brothers, you're not coming on Wednesday nights, I need y'all to start coming. My sister's on Thursday nights. If y'all ain't coming, my team's on Wednesday. If y'all ain't coming, I need y'all to come. Because watch that. Something powerful happens there. Because in this setting right here, and God can't move in a setting like this, and this is powerful. He does move. But something really happened in those small group settings where you get a chance to take off your mask and share your story and hear stories of other sisters and other brothers. And healing, deliverance oftentimes happens in moments like that. I'm not going to take you through another Bible story. We've already done that. This is what I want to do. I just want to take a moment just to worship in this place. We're going to close this resurrection service out with worship. This is what worship says. Anything that you say to God that expresses your need for him is worship. So when you say stuff like, God, I can't do this without you. When you say stuff like, God, I need you. When you say simple stuff like, God, help me. God, give me what I need to be me in this season of my life. When you say stuff like that, it gets God's attention. And then the omnipresence of God becomes the manifest presence of God. And you got to be careful because in an environment like this, you can be so caught up in what everybody else got 
on. Look at his shoes. Look at her hair. Look at that dress. Look at what he got on that you actually missed the moment. How many know what it's like to be in the service and everybody around you crying and you're like, look at them shoes. <laughs> and then you catch yourself like, man, why well, I don't feel nothing. Well, maybe they're not looking at your shoes. And they actually focused on him. So we're going to go into a moment of worship, and I already know what's happening, and, and I'm telling you this because I don't want it to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen because I don't want it to happen. There are going to be some people that's just going to get caught up in God. They're going to act like, I remember, I remember this a couple of months ago, me and my wife, we was out to dinner, and we were mad at each other. She acted up again. <laughs> we were mad at each other. I can't even remember what we were mad at each other about. And we're sitting next to this couple. They had to be like, 19, 20 years old, couldn't stand them. And they sitting there, oh, look at that. I'm like, shut up. They were being so ridiculous, but they didn't care because they was enjoying each other's presence. And the only reason I knew what they were doing, because I wasn't enjoying, y'all going to do me like that. So you'll be in a service like this, and you'll be tempted to just kind of look around. They show lives loud. And watch this. Don't let nobody scream. Then you jump. Then you got to see what they scream. Who's screaming? <laughs> nah. I wonder what could happen in your life if just for two or three minutes, if you would tune out everything in your environment and just focus on Jesus. So this is what I want you to do. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do this. You, you can get in a comfortable, if you want to bow, you can bow. If you want to kneel, you can kneel. If you want to stand, you can stand. All I want you to do is just get in a place where you just focus on God. You can say things like, God, I love you. God, I honor you. God, I worship you. God, I need you. God, help. You can say, you, you know what? When it's worship, you can repeat yourself. And you can just say it over and over and over again. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, I whatever it is. Just don't be silent because worship requires words. Worship, you need words. You need words. Come on, let's do it now. Let's go. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.